to Doxed, the podcast. Welcome to the grandiose world of Robbie Harvey. With a whopping 3 million followers on TikTok and a high-ranking podcast to boot, Harvey has presented himself as a reformed spousal abuser and a champion voice for traumatized women. However, beneath the surface, a darker narrative has begun to unravel, leaving many deeply concerned. Harvey has diagnosed himself with narcissistic personality disorder. But while he has portrayed himself as working on his flaws, closer inspection unveils a continuing pattern of narcissistic behavior, prompting speculation that his supposed transformation is merely a facade. Critics have also accused Harvey of trauma farming, exploiting the pain and suffering of women to boost his own content. In line with this theory, Harvey has utilized his wife's cancer treatment as a justification for his content, claiming that it helps to fund her medical expenses. Harvey has also garnered a predominantly female audience, raising further concerns among critics about the potential dangers his videos pose for abuse victims who develop parasocial relationships with him. For fans with troubled minds, he risks becoming a kind of parasocial substitute for their abusive partners, potentially leading them down a treacherous path. He has even exhibited bad boundaries with his fans, and is known to privately message them and engage in emotional cheating. So, is Robbie Harvey truly a reformed man trying to heal himself and others, or is he simply a skilled manipulator using the vulnerability of his followers for personal gain? And more broadly, is it ever appropriate for a man to assume the role of a voice for women or for any individual to speak on behalf of another group, without genuinely uplifting and centering their voices? Join us as we unpack these questions and more on this episode of Doxed, the podcast. How are you? I'm good. Good. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. I think this cancer new moon has got me feeling in my emotions a little bit, but I also have some positive things going on. I I put like a film on my window that makes the light nicer and I'm very happy about that. And I've been feeling better in my body recently, so that's good. Congrats on the weight loss. Oh, thanks. It's a little bit. And I don't really, I don't know. It's like hard because I don't want to blast the numbers and everything, but I am. Um, I think that's the right thing for me to feel more healthy. And I feel good about it being like the second time around that I did it because, you know, when we were talking about Amberlynn Reed, one of the things that's so frustrating about her, she always brings up how she used to do, she, she at one point lost 80 pounds or something like that. And so she knew she could do it. And then she kind of never did it again, but always rested on that one time she did it. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of her stuff just comes from really unhealed stuff. But I don't know. It feels good to do that in the first place. And then it feels good to be able to say like, okay, I don't have to obsess about it because for the last couple of months I've been so stressed out and I haven't been obsessing about it. And it's not the end of the world. It's not like I'll never be able to do it again. It's all just kind of like moderation. So. Yeah. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty great. I'm having lots of gay sex. That's great. That's great. I'm happy. (laughs) Happy for gay sex. Yes. Happy pride all year long. Good. Yeah. It's disability pride month. So we still, we get like a double, double summer up pride. 
I'm ready to talk about this terrible dude. Yeah, I don't even know where to begin, but I have a lot to say about performative narcissistic men. So I figure we'll 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 figure it out. <laughs> I really I really went ham on the notes, as I'm sure you. Yeah, saw. you could, Yeah, I started in looking at your notes, and I was like, "What can I add?" And I was like, "Nope, I'm pretty sure Roxy literally just wrote a book about <laughs> Robbie Harvey and everything." And so, yeah, I have my you own. You probably tell I was a little triggered by. <laughs> No, it's very frustrating because also it's part of the reason it's frustrating because you see this kind of stuff play out all over the place all the time. Yeah. Like, come on. (laughs) And I think that uh, it's like a whole new world. Speaking of gay shit, it's a whole new world when you realize that you don't actually have to have like white men in your feed. You know, you have have white people in your feed, but you can like. I went my whole life kind of having an, you know, whatever, like a a mixture of whoever I listened to. And then I dated somebody who was like, yeah, I can't even stand a white man on my feet. It's like, I don't honestly, I don't care if that sounds like discriminatory. It's not. Um, It's, it's actually extremely liberating to realize that you just don't even have to give it space. But yet there's like an entire world out there of people that just are missing a lot of the big points. And, and I think this speaks to why at the core of it all, it's all about white supremacy because everything goes back to that. And if somebody gets up there and thinks they're going to be a mentor and a healer and a leader, and they haven't unpacked that part of it, and they don't understand that that's playing in, they're going to just ultimately feed back into it at the end of the day. And it happens over and over and over and over again. You can see the patterns. And there's so much of this that like reminds me of our cyberbullying situation. There's just so much Mm -hmm. of this that reminds me of so many different performative white men that I've known in my life. And uh, we're coming in hot with the white men thing. I know that people are going to get annoyed about that. I always get weird blowback for naming whiteness and naming maleness and, uh, I don't know. I guess we don't have to be for everybody, but it's we not certainly caustic. don't. It's not a caustic thing to do, I think. And if you take it as caustic, I truly believe that means there's some unpacking to be done on your end. If you mm-hmm. disagree with me, then may, this content may not be for you, but maybe think about it because there should be no reason why me saying white man feels derogatory or feels hateful. Uh, it's uh-huh. not about hate and exclusion. It's about survival and thriving and countering the expectation that that's going to be the center of my world and that it's going to go unnamed. Well, I kind of wanted to kick this off by talking a little bit about patriarchy. I don't want to read the notes word for word because it's a lot. The notes are mainly like research notes for subscribers to be able to download. But um I wanted to kind of get into my understanding of what patriarchy is and what your understanding of what patriarchy is and then kind of move on from there. In the most basic of terms, patriarchy is a social system that puts men and maleness on a pedestal. And it's a really harmful belief that keeps gender inequality in place and creates this like hierarchy of men being the leaders, men being uh, like the top of the food chain, men being the leaders of the home, men being leaders in the church or what have you, and women being like second-class citizens, and men just being entitled to space, entitled to take up space in every conversation, in every space, in every movement, 
And that entitlement makes them think that they're also entitled to respect, they're entitled to time, they're entitled to your emotional labor. And it's the lie. Patriarchy is a lie that is harming everyone. It's the lie that men are the leaders. It's the lie that men are better than, more superior than us. And it's it's a lie that har- that causes harm for everyone. And I saw a TikTok by this lady that I follow who is like making big waves on TikTok. Okay. But she made the point that patriarchy causes cognitive dissonance in men because their belief or what they've been programmed to believe, what they've been socialized to believe about patriarchy and who they are and what their place is in society isn't any longer lining up with the reality of women and AFAB people being able to accomplish the exact same things, if not better than men. I mean, we, we we're outranking men in education. Uh, we're, we're taking up space in higher positions and jobs than a lot of men. We're in politics. We're in lawmaking. We are in every space doing just fine. And we've shown over time that Men aren't needed. They're around because sometimes they're wanted, but men are not a necessity. And I don't think there's a lot of discussion like helping men cope with the fact that they can't just rely on the lie that they are needed when they're not. They have to actually be likable. They have to be useful. Their money isn't enough to get women to be with them. Their status is not enough to get the women they want to be with them, they have to bring more to the table. They need emotional intelligence. They need emotional maturity. They need personalities that are, that are nice and pleasant to be around. They need to be able to be affectionate and be loving and have difficult conversations and not just rely on, I have money, I have status, and I can just intimidate you into into being what I need you to be. I think it's even, yeah, I would agree. And not just money and status, but even just manhood. Like you can't just rely on manhood as an assumption that you are like that. Like it always bothers me. There's this, there's this thing where a man will think I am a protector just by nature as, as your identity for as much as a lot of people hate identity politics, there's a big identity that people wear And I think often without deconstructing that you have to do protection in order to be a protector. You aren't just the head of household because you are a man. That's like a whole job, like a whole responsibility it would be. And there's like a total disconnect there. And this also goes into my theory about like lone gunman shooters and our our whole school shooting problem in America. I think it has so much to do with because there is a pattern. It's weird that we don't connect those dots and say, this is a whole pro it's not just like one individual white guy at a time, but Mm -hmm. a lot of them, uh, I think we were talking at some point about eventually we might do like an incel red pill kind of an episode. Mm -hmm. And so some of them it's coming from that kind of an ideology, but whether or not it is, it's like this deep pain that I think comes out of, you're right, like a cognitive disconnect where society is telling you you are the the center of the universe Mm -hmm. and then it doesn't play out that way and it does hurt everybody it hurts men it hurts everybody else as well Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so you know people get people cope in different ways but 
one of the really unhealthy extreme ways of coping with that is uh is that kind of violence or a lot i don't know also there's a lot of like men who decide to kill themselves also kill their their families and yeah, it's just family weird. annihilators yeah like you never see like women doing that i mean i guess there could be there's outlier cases but that's uh that's a that's a kind of common thing that happens is like but there's the- definitely women family annihilators but i don't think i can recall a story of a woman also killing her husband it's usually her children and herself or just her children and the reasons why those women do that are vastly different from the reasons why men would do that and in every case i can remember of a male family annihilator it's always because they want to run off with another woman like unencumbered with any family responsibility Hmm. that or if they're really trying to kill themselves i feel like there's this feeling like you are, you own these other people in your life. And if you don't get more life, then like neither should they, which is just really, that goes back to patriarchy. Anyway, I think there's a lot of violences that are carried out that happen because of that, of that disappointment when your life doesn't turn out the way that everybody set you up to expect it would. And I think part of what that disconnect is, is like this this wrong assumption that you just are the center without doing anything to to be that. Not only are they socialized to believe that they are the center, that they're entitled to that space in the center, they're not really given any tools at all to cope as like functioning emotional beings. And I've seen a lot of discussions particularly on TikTok and some on YouTube, where a lot of men have this uh, disorder. God, I forgot what it's called. But it's when you you can't recognize emotion in facial expressions. Alexithemia. A lot of men struggle with alexithemia, where they can't identify or describe emotions. They have to, like, they would have to literally point to a picture of an emoji to describe what they're feeling. They can't connect with their own emotions, let alone connect with anyone else's. And because our society uh, not necessarily encourages that, but doesn't really foster any tools for men to be able to do better and to be able to develop more emotionally, they rely on women for everything. They rely on women they're not attracted to. They rely on women they don't even like. They rely on women that they have no use for out of, I need a therapist. I need sex. I need my home clean. I need my children taken care of. I need a meal. And we end up kind of being utilities for men to get their needs met. But they're not taught that they have to give anything back. They can pay a bill. And and, and that's about it. Or not. They'll still act the same way, even if they didn't give some sort of transaction like that. Yeah, it's they're very transactional. And not to say all men are like this, but our society definitely like sets men up for emotional failure and treats men as tools. Like patriarchy sets men up for their bodies to be used in wars, their bodies to be used to be made 
to be making money for richer men. They're not taught to really be leaders anywhere. If anything, women and AFAB people are leaders in the home. It's just a facade that men wear. It's a badge that they, they wear on their chest. Meanwhile, who's raising and disciplining children? Who's doing all of the invisible labor in the home? Who's planning the meals? Who is doing all the, the back to school shopping and knows the teachers and knows the daycare workers and knows the doctor's names and their doctor's appointments, knows their best friend's names, knows their kids' favorite colors? Who is doing all of that? Usually the woman, the mother, the AFAB person, not the man. The man just gets to wear the title as I'm the best, I'm the leader, I'm the top dog. For what? Why? <laughs> You're just yeah, another cog in the machine. Yeah. And it's not universal. There's definitely people that have unpacked to varying degrees, but this the baseline, the starting point that society I think gives people that are raised as men, even is this sense of entitlement that is ultimately really harmful for them and it doesn't serve doesn't serve them or the people that they they care about they can't even like maintain friendships amongst themselves rarely do they have deep meaningful emotional like emotionally intimate connections with other men and i feel like they struggle to do that in their romantic relationships too Typically, the woman in a, like a heteronormative relationship dynamic is doing all of the emotional heavy lifting, initiating all of the difficult conversations, coming up with the solutions, following up, doing all of that. And I think part of the loneliness that people are talking about among men is the fact that they can't establish and maintain meaningful quality emotional connections with anyone. Yeah, because they devalue it. They're taught to devalue it. So it's like, interesting to think about men and their role in a community and how they can partake in a community because i think a lot of the ideology of manness is about individualism there's this whole through line of like i i need to pull myself up by my bootstraps or i am responsible for the way things go as an individual or uh, like genius, the concept of genius and that some men rise above, some white German and Viennese men rise above all others and are, you know, innately blessed with some kind of individual insight into the world that others don't have access to. I think that's fundamentally opposed to how it works, but mm -hmm that's part of what causes that blindness. And ultimately, I think in a lot of cases, disappointment, uh, which is so sad because you don't want to, uh, I wish we could all work through that collectively because men should be part of communities too. And, but it's, it's like hard to imagine them. It's hard to imagine, for example, like raising a kid in a community sense that involves men a lot of men there's a mm -hmm. lot of weird unsafety to that and i'm not just talking about like uh what i think is a stereotype that men can't be trusted with kids it's more like it's unlikely that you're going to find somebody that even can value the emotional labor that it takes to raise kids in that kind of way uh mm -hmm. because it is it's like a, it's like a complete devaluing of the kind of labor that happens in the home there was like a recent tiktok going around where a woman records her husband as he's saying that she was uh, 
uh, I forget exactly the wording, but he's, she's like living, she's like freeloading off of his income for the last 10 years. Oh, I know who you're talking about. David Kasanoff. Yeah. 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 Oh, okay. I didn't even make that connection actually. That was terrible. <laughs> Wait, so maybe we should circle back around to, to Robbie Harvey then because he covered that. And yeah, this is all, this is all leading up. I'm just, I just kind of want to set the scene. Yeah, fair. How patriarchy is terrible oh. for everyone. It sets men up for failure. They can't foster community because they're not taught to value community. If anything, women are community. And when you bring men into the community, what do they do? They present danger. They present a threat. They take, they leech, they cause harm, and they don't give back. They deplete well, the community. Yeah. Again, not universal, but yes, uh, that's what society teaches them to do, I think. But uh, I also want to just say a really important part of that foundation is about intersectionality and how closely tied that is to race. It is tied inextricably to race. So Mm -hmm. it's also whiteness that does that. It's also that's what colonization all is as well. Like the patriarchy is also all about colonization. Yeah. Patriarchy is whiteness. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. So that's that's very important, I think. I also included in the notes that cishet white men are not water carriers. We've had two episodes with Jubilee in the last season where she talks a lot about um, being a water carrier, uh, mainly among white women and handling your shit, doing your emotional work, doing your shadow work and taking responsibility for how you respond to things, taking responsibility for your growth, the consequences of your actions and growing and learning and doing better. And I don't really hear about people referring to cishet men, white cishet men as not being water carriers, but that absolutely applies to them, which is also relevant to um, Robbie Harvey. And I included some, some bulleted notes on the consequences of upholding and maintaining patriarchy. It creates gender inequality, um, discrimination and oppression of marginalized groups, limited roles and expectations in in, um, patriarchal society. And it it forces people to stick to really strict gender roles and expectations that are imposed on people. And and men are like expected to embody these traits of like being really assertive and really strong and really emotional emotionally stoic and super logical, which is also a lie. Men aren't any more logical than women. We both have a a right side of the brain and a left side of the brain, a creative side and and a logical side. If anything, the more emotionally intelligent person, man or woman, is probably gonna be the more logical one, not the one that just reacts with gut reactions to everything. Um, Upholding patriarchy maintains gender-based violence against women reproductive control and body autonomy gets fucked with as we've been seeing for the last couple of years, unequal in unequal economic opportunities for women, the gender gap, the, the wage gap is something that has been a continuous problem forever, ever since women started flooding the workforce, underrepresentation in leadership and decision-making and lawmaking. It impacts everyone's mental health. Patriarchy is just not good for anyone so that's that's the scene i want to set for where robbie harvey comes in no i think it's all very important because this one is an interesting case with him where 
it isn't really like one particular thing that he did that got him canceled. It's more like people are just starting to put together a lot of different pieces to paint a picture of mm-hmm. something that also, I think it is, if you don't have that background understanding of like, what are we talking about when we say patriarchy, when we say white supremacy, um, you you would miss it because that's what it is. And it mm-hmm. so often goes unsaid and goes invisible that there's plenty of people out there that just miss it. And so they might kind of look at the situation and think, well, what did he do wrong? You know, um, yeah. that's what it is. And it's, uh, and it is something that culture kind of does, but uh, it's not like he's off the hook either, because I think what a lot of people pick up on the more that, and I, I maybe we'll get to, I pulled a couple of videos, uh, short videos of him like doing TikToks that I think if you listen to them, you get a more of a picture of it. So maybe oh we yeah, we're including that. clips in this shit. Yeah, okay, good. <laughs> good. Cause I think that's part of what, like when you're just kind of reading about it, you're like, well, what's going on here? He made some weird faces. I don't like to judge people just on their affect, obviously. Cause I think it's kind of like, it's just not helpful and it can, you can easily sl- like get somebody wrong completely, but, but it's, there is something to it, right? With him, there is something to it. <laughs> well, it's it because it's part of a larger picture. That's where it, that's where it's interesting, right? So when you're just reading about it and you're like, oh, we made some faces that people are reading as narcissistic, eh. but listen to these videos and you probably will hear what it is, it, you know? So, yeah. uh, let's see. So, uh, what was I going to say? I had a point. Um, oh, a lot of a lot of commentators that I had found when I was digging into this were saying that he basically has just changed the group that he's being abusive to and is hasn't really reformed. He's a self-diagnosed narcissist. Wait, I should back up. He's a self-diagnosed narcissist and he a lot of his content is about like being a reformed bad husband like he was formerly bad and he was formerly a narcissist being horrible and now here's ways that he gets around it but uh or that he does better but it's ultimately he built a platform and he gets paid and uh some of that i guess does go or did go to his wife she was having cancer treatment so there's all that but it it ultimately reads as very performative and like there was no actual reform. And now he's just sort of shifted from the original behavior to using the language and weaponizing it in order to bypass his actual, uh, what he actually needs to reflect on if he wants to really do better. And it just seems like through a lot of his different actions, through the contacting of, I guess people call it emotional cheating, but that almost feels like it downplays like some of the way the messages read. Just the way he interacts with women, like the way that he interacts with his followers, the way that he blocks women who disagree with him and uplifts voices of men who agree with him. Um, It's also how and why he built his platform, which is also a huge red flag to me. So he's a full-time TikTok creator. Just imagine how much income you have to be making, how much content you have to create, how much engagement you have to have to have a sustainable TikTok income because we both know TikTok don't pay unless you're doing really really well unless you're doing pretty well yeah yeah so he has uh over three million followers that's not an, an easy task no matter how much people say oh you can go viral on TikTok for nothing but it to get paid like he's getting paid that's a big deal yeah um He only joined in 2021, so he hasn't been at it for very long, but he gained a lot of recent traction 
on TikTok for really closely following the Kasanoff legal case, just the guy you just mentioned with the videos of him just being absolutely terrible to yeah. his wife. So like you said, Bobby Harvey, he's a, a self-diagnosed narcissist and says he's cured or reformed or what or whatever. He doesn't really talk about how he got there if he's been going to therapy, if he's working with a coach, if it's like an ongoing thing, is he working with an expert that's giving him tools? We don't know. He just claims to be a narcissist and claims to be cured and has built his platform under the guise of amplifying women's voices. That's a huge, huge problem. I'm going to circle back to this, but Mm, self-diagnosed, self-cured, and amplifying the voices of an experience that you will never have as a white cishet man. Second red flag. Uh, but he changed after he got called out and is in the process of being canceled. He changed his bio to "I used to suck as a husband," which is a little like "Woe is me." The demographic of his viewership across all social media platforms that he's on is made up of over eighty percent women. Women, So multiple millions of followers and over 80% of them are women. And when you watch his content, he is talking at women while amplifying the voices of women. None of his content from what I've seen seems to be directed at men. It's women's trauma porn. Um, And his content's targeted in a way that appeals to women that have been abused and women that are in in a vulnerable emotional state. And he uses really triggering stories. And the way he films his content is really dark, really melancholy, like low light, really somber. Yeah, it's very like cinematic and dramatic. And he doesn't give trigger warnings and it's very graphic stuff. So it is like you are getting your emotions played on when you watch Mm -hmm. his stuff. Absolutely. And you can feel it when you watch him. Like you don't, I understand like not wanting to comment on someone's affect. But I'm sorry, like I dated someone that resembles him in a lot of ways. And what's really triggering for me to watch him talk is the way he'll purse his lips and and shake his head and look down and kind of shake his voice like he's getting choked up. And it's just, it just reads like an act. It, it reads like a performance. I know when a guy is pretending to be choked up to tug at your heartstrings to make it seem like he's so connected to his feminine side and he's so emotional, he totally gets you. No, he's putting on a show. Um, one, One thing you can say is that he definitely is performative. Like whether that's reading through his facial expressions or just like his actions don't align with what he says he stands for. And the way that he the way that he responds to criticism from women and the way that he doesn't understand or doesn't allow for lifting up women's voices and centering their voices as the obvious solution. If he actually was going to stand behind what his platform is supposedly about, I was really looking for his wife's voice. As soon as I was looking into this, I was like, well, has she said anything either way? And she's been in TikToks with him and they are disturbing. Mm -hmm. And I Mm -hmm. hope she's okay. Because I mean, not to like allege it, but just like emotionally, I can't imagine just, I don't know. Am I, am I derailing if we listen to one? No. There's one in particular of him like talking through, I think it's from 2021 and he's talking through like arguing with his wife. I'm going to share my screen. 
And I'm going to queue up another one after you play yours. Okay. It's, ooh. Yeah. Ooh. But I think, I think that's the best way to understand what we're talking about. Cause it's like, it makes my skin bristle the way that they will talk about it. So let's listen. So this video is a little nerve wracking because it's going to be an actual, uh, live, uh, argument slash discussion but i want to do it to show you guys how we approach disagreements and i have a disagreement with my wife that she doesn't know about i had a dream the other night where i invented this wing set where all you could do is go into a park and you would put on the wing set and you would just fly around the park and i remember everybody was gathering around to watch and i was so excited and so the only person's opinion that I cared about was yours. When I looked down, someone had told me from the ground, she already left. So it kind of bothered me that you had already left in the dream. So for those of you who don't know, I'm a, I'm a race car announcer. I announce for a major short track here in America, and it's pretty awesome. Like it's a once in a lifetime gig, and my wife doesn't come very often. Can you remember the last time you've ever come to one of my events? Uh, like a month or two ago. You have to speak up a little bit so that people, <laughs> so that a people, month or two ago, so that people can hear us <laughs> argue. So I just wanted to tell you that it bothered me you didn't come Friday, and she actually put our kids first because her excuse is she wanted to be with the kids. And what's our philosophy in our marriage? Kids never come first before you and I. Well, that's true. However, there's times like they've been sick and then I'm about to go back to work. But you had been with them all week. That's true. And you didn't, you haven't been to one of my events in a long, long time. Well, you have to tell me from your heart without begging that, hey, I'd like for you to go. So I just wanted to tell you that it bothered me. And I think my dream was a result of that. Um, but I'm not angry about it. And now we uh, just move forward. I'll do anything for you. So this is how we approach our discussions where in the past I would have been so angry it would have led to a fight, right? Well, I it think we've learned to just step back and process it without, you know. Right just automatically saying what we feel. I understand that she didn't come to be mean to me. She just didn't realize how important it was for, for her to come this past week. And now she does. And it's that simple. Yes, I'm so sorry. Kiss. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, hell no. Uh, yeah, so you didn't see that one? That's disgusting. Oh my yeah. God. No, there's so many things like wrong. There's so many things that bother me about it. Like he, I can't, I don't, I don't, you can have your own philosophy about who to put, but why are you, why do you need to put a husband or a children first? That's not really how a community kind of, it works. And I don't think it should be how a healthy nuclear family works either. Uh, That's how um, patriarchy works in the family. Yeah. It's how patriarchy yeah. works in the home. I'm I'm king man baby, and I come first before children because I'm the main child. Yeah, and like he needs to be her child as well. You're a full grown man, and then uh, he also just like doesn't listen to her counterpoints and just like acts like a father of the situation and paternalizes. And he's like some kindly father imparting a lesson. 
He learns his summary at the end involves nothing that he learned. And then there was also some other situation uh, where she, I guess, asked him to like to go running and it wasn't equivalent. Like he he's really just centering himself in both situations. And the way that she looks at him, too, is just like if he's talking about how he used to blow up in a situation like that, it's like, good job. You like groomed your you like conditioned your wife. It's not fair to say groomed. Uh, She's an adult, too. But you conditioned your wife. You conditioned your wife to be like thankful that you're going to have at least a calm discussion. But you didn't actually reflect on anything or take accountability for anything. And I don't really I mean, I guess that was a situation where he's bringing to her a problem. She had counterpoint. She was like, well, yeah, like I need to take care of the kids or whatever she said. He did not even... He did not take that in whatsoever. It was no, not his response was, But you've been with the kids all week. Well, they're your fucking children. Where are they supposed to go? Like they're what? Children. Yeah. And just to, yeah, it's very self-centering and I guess he's a self-diagnosed narcissist, but does that oh, God. I mean, does that excuse the, the you're an adult man, sir? <laughs> okay, do you do you want to hear what I have queued up? Please. That's enough. I don't want to hear anything more about it. Do you understand? That is exactly what I said to my wife today. That was pretty angry. And to be honest, there's nothing wrong with being angry. Do I regret how I spoke to my wife today? No. It's okay to be angry. It's okay to snap. It's okay to go off every now and then. But here's the difference. About 10 minutes later, I pulled her aside. I gave her a big hug. And I told her how much I loved her. So is it bad that you snap every now and then? No. Just make it clear that that is not the norm. And show your true feelings at the end of the day. Oh my god! so so triggering so that's specifically uh, no it's not specific it's uh the starving autist on tiktok is doing did a couple of really good videos kind of unpacking some of that but yeah it's literally an abuse cycle to do that yeah it's okay to go off and snap as long as it's not the norm your wife has a concern, uh, a, a grievance, something that she wants to talk about with you, obviously, repeatedly, because it's, it's it's not being taken care of. Repeatedly enough, she's bringing it up where you say, I don't want to talk about it anymore. Do you understand? What the fuck? Yeah. And also, it's like, and I think that Starving Autist also makes this point, but it's like a conflation of you are allowed to be angry. You're allowed to feel your feelings and have an angry moment. It doesn't mean that if you like hurt someone as a as a reaction to that or how you deal with that, that doesn't mean you're just off the hook because you're allowed to be angry. That's smudging those lines in a really dangerous way. So you are welcome to feel all of your feelings but what you do then is you either learn that like something I had to learn how to do in my life because I have had meltdowns 
for my whole life. And I had to learn how to walk away from a situation if I felt that I was not able to uh, be in it without like, you know, without doing anything that would be hurtful to people, I walk away Mm -hmm. and, or you learn how to communicate in some other way. It does not absolve you just because you're not doing it very often. That's not, uh, no, not a safe way to think. I've been in a relationship, um, and I've talked about this abusive relationship several times on my own podcast, on this podcast. And I've heard that statement of, I'm not talking about this. I don't want to hear about this again. Do you understand? We're not doing this right now. I've heard that many times. And it's always when I'm hurting, I have a need that's not being met. I'm being ignored. I'm being invalidated. I'm doing all the emotional labor. I just need to be heard. I just need to be seen. And every time I bring something up, it's meant with, it's met with a counter complaint. It's met with immediate exasperation and that kind of response of, we're not talking about this right now. You're nagging me, blah, 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 whatever. And it's, it's not only abusive to treat your partner like that. It, the, the level of contempt you have to already have to treat your partner that way when they're coming to you with something repeatedly that's not being taken care of, it's disgusting. It's disgusting to treat your partner like that. And to, to think that you are absolved of your shitty behavior because it's, it's not the norm, it, it's be, because you, 10 minutes later, you gave her a big hug and a kiss and let her know that it's not the norm. Did you discuss, did you address her concern that she's come to you repeatedly enough where you're now annoyed with her? Was it ever addressed or do you just keep snapping at her and then keep giving her hugs and kisses to let her know it's not the norm? So she keeps coming back to you, walking on eggshells with you, trying to broach the situation in every way possible to get you to address the thing. Like you're an abusive piece of shit. I'm sorry. (laughs) Yeah, because it's all to avoid having the actual conversation Mm -hmm. that somebody else was trying to have. And there's just a lot of centering And there's another clip I would like to play that really bothered me. And it's he's on a news show talking about the case, the Kasanoff case. And I think, again, it just becomes apparent as you listen, the way that it's all so self-centering. And it's language we've heard before from other abusive influencers who, by the way, the other thing I found was this video from a couple of years ago from uh, what's that guy's name? Hold on. The channel is called Rude Advice and basically talks about having a disagreement with Robbie Harvey on TikTok and how the followers went after him in this really way that is, again, reminiscent of these toxic influencers who have these large attack dog followings. And this guy says he's not mad at the followers, but kind of places the blame on Robbie Harvey that his followers do that. And I think When you have a following that acts like that, it speaks to who you are in the kind of community you cultivate. You see that with Colleen Ballinger also. Oh, but a a funny thing is apparently he at some point gave up his username or TikTok gave it away and somebody stole it. Somebody is using it now. (laughs) But anyway, so I want to listen to this video where he's on this news channel 
because he's supposed to be bringing awareness to something and all he really brings awareness to is his own self-aggrandizement and it's just it's just gross Bobby Harvey has nearly three million followers on his social media platforms and says it's his mission to throw light on stories like Catherine Kassenhaus. Okay, Robbie, um, I'm so glad that you're with me because I, you know a lot about this. I want to ask you why you think this story just resonated. It, it became viral. So many people have attached to it. Well, it became viral because it's everybody's story. I mean, it's just like the interview you just showed. This is I have 3 million followers on TikTok. I have almost 4 million total on all my platforms. And 80% of them are women. And I get thousands of messages a day saying that, Catherine, that is my story. You're telling my story. I had a celebrity, Ashley, reach out to me yesterday. A celebrity, a major celebrity, message me privately and say, thank you. This is my story that you're telling. That's why it's gone viral, because there's nothing illegal about verbally abusing your wife. There's nothing illegal about putting down what what Kasanoff did in those videos. So yeah. what, what are the courts going to do? What are the police going to do? Nobody's going to do anything. So that's why I'm here. I'm so, telling every single person's story through this Kasanoff case. And Robbie, the, the development today, the confirmation. So that's disgusting. She's like, how, why did this resonate with you? And he only basically talks about his following and how he talked to a celebrity. And it's, it's really funny that I, that I didn't put it together that that clip, I, TikTok is so, it's such a thing that takes everything out of context. Mm -hmm. It's a huge degree that I didn't even notice that that was the same situation. I just was like, oh, there's an interesting viral video about how, I think I even said sent it to some people because I was like, that's a that's such a good that's such an example of this devaluation of women's work and home domestic work mm -hmm. uh, was those videos of that guy. And but yeah, but but it's like, why did this resonate? Well, first of all, is could it be a little bit of projection if you feel like this is everyone's story or like, is it something that you resonate with Robbie Harvey? And then secondly, the entire answer, he took up all of his time just talking about his following and his clout. Mm -hmm. And that's just so, I've heard it before from the same influencers who also have the followings that go and attack people. Yep. It's the same people, same kind of behavior. He couldn't answer that question directly because he can't speak to why it actually resonated with women. He can say till he's blue in the face, so many women said that this is my story. This is my story. But he cannot speak to why. He can't speak to the root of the problem because he himself is one, a emotional abuser, self-proclaimed emotional abuser of his wife. Formerly or currently, we don't know, but we know for sure he identifies as that and has identified as that. And he has not deconstructed patriarchy. He has not deconstructed literally anything. That's why the first thought that came to mind when she asked, why did this story resonate with your 80% women, 4 million follower platform? All he could say was, I'm, I'm so famous, basically. He can't speak to it because he doesn't know. He doesn't know women. He doesn't know women's experiences. He's an opportunist. He saw a space that he could take up where he could cosplay as the good guy, 
where he could cosplay as the safe guy that gets it and and pull on women's heartstrings, abuse women, traumatize women, vulnerable women. He could pull on their heartstrings, cosplay as the good guy and, and appeal to their hope that there are good guys that get it. There are good guys that understand what we're going through. And all he does is just regurgitate women's trauma and create trauma porn on the internet. That's all he does. That's why he could not answer that question. That is a really good point. You're completely right. And it goes back to why it's important to think about whose voices are in the room. And it's important to think about whose voices get centered. And it's important to do the kind of work that allows you to figure out how to center voices that can speak to something that that just because it's yours doesn't mean it's the best voice. And this is probably something I also have to work on because I have thought a lot about that, but I find myself also sometimes this feeling like I need to have the the say or I need to, and sometimes you don't. And sometimes you can't, like, it depends on the context, but mm-hmm. I feel like I say that to death. It depends on the context. It really does. But uh, what am I saying? Well, I mean, I think it's, it's relevant to speak to something that you're an expert on in terms of like education and scholarship, even if you don't have the lived experience, if you can speak to it in an educated and compassionate way, I think that's valid. It's a whole other thing to take up space in a movement, speaking on experiences that you literally have never had, you have no proximity to, you don't, you have no scholarship on because you see a market opportunity to profit. That's a, it's just a complete other thing. That makes sense. I mean, I guess I'm just saying, and I think there's also a difference between like taking up space versus, because I think everybody should be able to take up some kind of space in the world. It's a problem when you think you need to take up other people's space or you need to take up so much space that other people don't have space. That's just something that's easy to slip back into because of, I don't know, a lot of different things, but is important to be really conscious of. And then I think even going back to the beginning of what I was saying at the beginning about, you can kind of choose who's on your feed. You can be mm-hmm. conscious about uh, about not just what somebody's saying, but what their identity and their background, where they're coming from is mm-hmm. uh, in terms of their positionality. You can You can be aware of those things. And I think consciously directing them and because like we've talked about in the other, I forget what episode, Illuminati episode about separating the art from the artist. You really can't, mm, you yeah. really can't. And so it's very interesting to start to play around consciously with those dynamics of like, what are you taking in? Um, and that goes back to what voices do you even have the opportunity to take in? And how much space do you make in your you know, brain space for those voices? And how much, how much is naturally there? Notice those things or not naturally, but how much is there just uh, as a baseline, I guess, of what you're, and how much might that influence what your experience is, who you're surrounding yourself with those voices. It's important to be kind of conscious of conscious of who's not there. And that's kind of, it's like, you have to actively, you have to be active about that. You have to be conscious about it, but it's important. Ah. Yeah. So this guy is an example of somebody that really doesn't understand that concept and doesn't understand that 
or I guess when you're when you're getting clout, there's a question of like, do you not understand, or do you just do you you're just okay with it because you're gonna make money, and it almost doesn't matter. It's like I also have seen another pattern of these toxic influencers who move from topic to topic or uh, like genre to genre of influencer. And it's like, because they're opportunistic. Yeah. yeah they're opportunistic. And it's the same kind of people who are these talking heads on the right as well that will be like, oh, I used to be woke and then woke culture attacked me. And now I'm on the right and I'm some reformed person or whatever, like to this cause now. And it's all the same kind of grift. It's all mm-hmm. about just moving into a space where you can capitalize on whatever story. And I guess, you know, it's a grift. You were 100 yeah. percent right. It's, it's totally a grift. a grift. You have to see whether a l- action aligns with the words. And and this is this is what you're saying right now, the actions aligning with the words and like calling out the grifters where they are. This is why Robbie Harvey is in hot water right now. It's not even the clips that we just played because those are years old and just coming to light now. That's a good point. The reason why he's in hot water and being canceled is because of one particular TikTok and then a series of apology videos that he made after that. Yeah, well, there's a couple. And then there's the whole emotional cheating, which is to say he was saying some really weird and appropriate stuff to women in his DMs that were his followers. So again, there's this whole parasocial issue and power dynamics that are problematic and taking advantage of people. And also just like you feel really bad for his wife because he would kind of use his wife in these conversations in gross ways too, like bring her up so that women would feel like he was desirable or something weird. I think he's grooming his audience in like a weird narcissistically strategic way. I think all the women that follow him are part of a whole giant narcissistic supply thing where he could probably point to his wife and say, see, all these women think I'm a good guy. Why are you complaining? I think that's right. And you know what, too? He says things that if you are a woman in a highly abusive situation, but you love your husband and you just wish that your husband would say certain things to you and it could make it all better. He's saying those things. And that's the Mm -hmm. exact audience that he's building up because they want to hear their husband say the things he's saying because Mm -hmm. their husbands are not even at that level. And he's also saying, if you're, if your guy's trying even a little bit, believe in him. Stay with yeah, him. that's extremely terrible. He j- just do not put any sort of onus on the victim to solve the problem of their abuser abusing them. That's just a no go. That's a hard pass. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's making my blood boil. <laughs> it is. It's just like it's like almost triggering to just even deal with the energy of it. Because like, especially when you, if you do choose to like not have white men in your feet all the time, then you get uh, like unused to it and then you're just like i don't even have any tolerance for your bullshit whatsoever (laughs) also now me being in like a really gay relationship it's like oh my god men (laughs) no that's part of it i do think there's a balance to be struck there because there is like uh there's an importance of balancing masculine and feminine energy and Mm -hmm. there's healthy versions of masculine energy but there's so much especially out in the world in public that is unhealthy unhealthy (laughs) So, yeah, and I do remember this video, so let's watch. A question for you women. Why do you lower your standard? I think this is a really good time to talk about discernment. 
This is not intended to bully or harass anyone. This is for educational purposes. Discernment is the ability to perceive, understand, and judge things clearly, especially those that are not obvious or straightforward. As a survivor, I had to work on rebuilding my discernment and trusting my intuition in therapy. Now I have a question. Is someone whose bio is self-proclaimed former bad husband the person who's going to want you to have the best discernment possible? Is someone who makes a lot of money off of people's trauma going to want you to have good discernment? Is someone who uses Darvo in an apology going to want you to have good discernment? Just some questions for you because I want you to have good discernment. So in the first, so this is a, a stitch of Robbie Harvey's video that he is in very deep, very hot water for. Is he original said, video up at all? Because it would be nice to play. I thought that had more of it. He took it down. I'd have to search through stitches and see if it includes the whole 20 second TikTok. It was very short. But basically he says, a question for you women. Why do you lower your standards? And he goes on to say, basically, why do women lower their standards for men that don't deserve them? He does this like weird victim blamey, but also like good guy trying to empower women kind of thing. But he completely missed the mark and revealed how he actually feels about women. <laughs> we lower our standards. To, to be with men that don't treat us right and just completely bypasses power dynamics and cishet, or hetero um, normative relationship dynamics, completely bypasses like abuse and the effect of like CPTSD on the brain that women in disempowered situations that can't just leave because of finances, because of children, because of being dependent on their partner or whatever. Like we're just, Lowering our, lowering our standards for funsies because we just want to be with these bad men. As someone who positions himself as someone that amplifies women's voices, how fucking dare you say, why are you lowering your standards as if men's standards are so fucking high? It is very Darvo too, though. And he did take down, I didn't even see, I wish we could find the apology videos because I think- Oh, there's two. The way that somebody apologizes really speaks to how they feel about a situation because you can tell when people are actually reflecting on something and taking accountability and when they're not. And His immediate response apology video, I think, was maybe up for 10 minutes before he deleted it. I didn't even see the original first apology video because it came down so quickly. There's nothing but stitches left on TikTok, which I'm sure you can find. But in that first apology, he he doesn't understand why people are mad at him. He doesn't understand why women are calling him out. He's, he basically just says, well, my wife has cancer and I need to make money and I need to keep the lights on. I have to feed my kids. Okay. Everyone that wants lights wants to keep them on. Everyone that lives on the grid and wants electricity has to pay an electricity bill. Like not everyone is dealing with a partner with cancer with big medical bills, but to not acknowledge at all why you while why your audience is upset with you because you completely missed the mark and your actions and your behaviors and your beliefs based on what you said you know why do you women choose these bad men it's not aligning with what you built your platform on or what you said you built your platform on and he completely did not address that he played woe is me 
I'm a victim. I'm just a good guy husband trying to take care of my family with my TikTok and see my wife has cancer and I have to keep the lights on. That was apology number one. It was shit. Yeah, he uses his his wife's cancer a lot. That comes up a lot for his identity, which I always think it kind of reminds me of like autism moms. Mm-hmm. You know, like like where a caregiver becomes this thing that you kind of you kind of use for like social points and social points and sympathy. Yeah, for sympathy. That's part of it. And I think there's a lot of like asking for sympathy built into Robbie Harvey's persona too. Which is just like, nobody owes you sympathy. That's part of the problem. That's part of the lie of patriarchy and white supremacy. Like nobody owes you a bunch of patience and sympathy while you continue to be a narcissist and, and use your cancers, your wife's cancer as part of your identity. I mean, if she's okay, like if she were to make a TikTok video and be like, I'm okay with this, I'm getting my bag. I'd be like, cool. That makes me happy, you know, except for, I don't know, still harmful, Mm -hmm. I guess, but like that's a different situation, but you don't hear it's, it's all about, it's all about using that cancer diagnosis for him, for himself, I guess. I mean, I don't know, maybe supposedly that money is going toward helping her. I hope so. I mean, one would hope. I think I found the first apology video. I'm going to send you the link right now. Watch this. Okay. So apparently some of you were offended by this video. Question for you women. Why do you lower your standards? And I gotta be honest, I had no clue that it would do that. Minimizing our feelings and distancing himself from them right out the gate. A lot of you have some great responses, like this guy. It's our job to sit and self-reflect, to grow that empathy muscle, to understand our own emotion, and then all that helps us to better understand the experiences of others that aren't exactly like us. If you saw the tag, go watch this video. It's a good response. And then there's a response like this guy. He profits off a of woman's trauma now. He used to be a former bad guy that now profits off of the things he's used to do. The majority of the responses he received were from women because that is the community he upsets and who he needs to be addressing. But notice how he chose two men as an example of an acceptable and unacceptable response to him. Centering men's voices because he probably values their opinion more. Because men use other men to gauge where they fall on the good guy scale. Admittedly, I could learn something from this first guy, but the second guy, no, he's not a good guy. And in fact, I'm gonna put his username right across his face so you all can tell him that I'm a good one and he's not. Right, ladies? Right, ladies? Again, if I offended you, I apologize. I'm sorry if you were offended is never an acceptable apology. And notice his body language. He shook his head no even as he said it. His subconscious told on him. He doesn't mean it. Backstory, in 2008 when I got married, my wife said, I'm going into our wedding, expecting force. She lowered her standards for me. I didn't deserve her. Whenever someone tells you that they don't deserve you, believe them. I didn't deserve her. Past tense. Do I profit off my videos? The answer is yes. Last year, my wife was diagnosed with cancer. In 2022, the bill alone for cancer was over a half million dollars. Of that half million dollars, $20,000 of that had to be cash. These are pills for cancer that we still have to pay for. And it's not cheap. Doctors, hospitals, insurance companies have made quite a bit of money off of my wife's cancer diagnosis. Police officers, EMTs, firefighters, I've all used those services and they've made a lot of money off of me using those services. And rightfully so. You see, this is my full-time job. Let me show you something. Watch this. See this? I still have to pay for that bill so my children can have lights and air conditioning. The entirety of his apology was, if you were offended, I apologize. And now he's showing us his primary concern, which is securing his bag. And he's going to make sure he does so by playing to our sympathies. Don't forget my wife who has cancer. Don't forget my kids. You see this? This is just one court filing in the Kasanoff case. It is 47 pages front and back. I've read every single word of it. And there's thousands of filings in that case. My channel has become my passion. And I hope that I can continue it to be my passion and make money. I don't want to be rich. I just want to pay my bills. Ladies, don't forget, he's one of the good guys. He cared about that one case that one time. Come on. 
don't be mad. Feel bad for me. Give me your money. And this is why you have to be hesitant to trust men who speak to women about women's issues. Barf. Yeah, so that does give. I remember that. Now I'm remembering the apology. What a weird world. Everything is out of context. I did see it because I saw the bread warlock reactions because part of it was how he just like, yeah, he he highlighted all these men's responses when 80% of his audience by his own saying is women. Why aren't you listening to them? So many brilliant, intelligent, kind, compassionate women influencers with huge platforms tried to call him in tried to say, hey, you you can't do this. This is where you went wrong. This is how you're causing more harm to women by by saying things like, why do you lower your standards? And he blocked all of them and deleted all of their comments. Well, that sounds familiar, but it just really shows the kind of audience that he's cultivating, that 80% of them are women. And he didn't highlight any women's responses because he doesn't see them as people that need to have a say in what he's doing and it's and the fact that they're not abandoning his audience is also telling it's it is kind of like uh i don't know grooming brainwashing cultivating you know when you when you are specific when you're blocking everybody that disagrees with you all the time you do this like weird reward system where people are competing for your attention which also makes sense in this kind of a dynamic where these where the fans want this kind of masculine reformed narrative that's something that they're like longing for that's so terrible mm-hmm. it's like they're almost i don't want to say living vicariously but definitely engaged in a parasocial relationship with robbie yeah. harvey where they can live out you know, this this seemingly empathetic good guy that gets my emotions and thinks that what's happening to me is so wrong. It's totally a parasocial relationship. And that's where these toxic influencers can really weaponize their platforms. But the situation that we were dealing with, we were dealing with the disability community, the autistic community, the spiritual community, which is full of very vulnerable people, really impressionable people that have their comfort creators. And if you come for them in any way, they're going to attack you. The same thing applies to this exact situation. We're not necessarily dealing with a a bunch of disabled women, but we're dealing with abused, traumatized, vulnerable, emotionally vulnerable women that are probably in relationships with guys like Robbie Harvey or worse behind closed doors, but they see him And they see the vision of what they hope their partners would be like based on the like the cosplay that he's doing. And so they're very invested in him because the hope is that their partner will magically turn into who they think this guy is. Absolutely. I think that's the nail on the head. And then it's even grosser to find that he was DMing some of his uh, followers and making weird like emotional moves on them. Um, like there was a, there was one called Casey. She's the main, she's the one that I saw put her face on a video about it. And she made a comment that said, this man told me to cheat, asked if I thought of him while I had sex with my husband at the time. He's not good news. Trust me. And then Robbie wrote to her 
uh, in DMs. Uh, it says June 2022. So this all happened a while ago. And it's been going on then in that case, because the pattern. So yeah. he says, it's Robbie. When someone sent me what you said, da, 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 I was stunned. I honestly considered you my friend. I shared private things about my marriage with you and was happy to help any way I could. This is a parasocial relationship that is that is lacking healthy boundaries. And then I see, I worry he's using his wife for views. I have to say, I don't even know how to respond to that. Before my wife got cancer, I I don't, there's, it's a cutoff a little bit, something about 600 million views. I don't need my life turned upside down. I don't need my wife to suffer to be successful. I don't need my kids watching their mom lose her hair so I can get view. Why is he talking about his mom, her, her, his wife losing her hair? It's again, just kind of like, here's a traumatizing thing. Here's a terrible triggering thing to deflect from mm-hmm. the actual conversation we're having. Uh, and then he says, the truth is my wife saw me getting depressed and said, be creative during this process. Tell my story so others can have hope. I'm sure. <laughs> really? Wow. Um, okay. And, yeah. At the same time, it will help you heal and deal. I'm worried about you. So you do. So do what you do. Yet I see your comments and it goes on. But like if his wife came up and made a video like that, I would be a little bit like blink if you need help. But also <laughs> at least she would have at least she would be able to be the one to say it's creepy that he is even using her words like that. But I don't, I'm sure it's a manipulation because the whole thing, the whole pattern is that that's what's happening there. Are you tired of feeling unsafe online? Do you want to learn how to protect yourself from cyberbullying, doxing, and other forms of online harassment? Then look no further than Doxed the Podcast. Visit the website doxthepodcast.com to sign up for the Doxed free ebook full of helpful tips and resources for online safety. Plus, when you sign up, you'll receive the weekly newsletter with the latest updates on upcoming content. There are many ways to connect with Doxed, including Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Discord. Have a story to share or feedback to give? Use the contact form on the site to reach out or leave a voice message to be featured on the show. And for exclusive content, subscribe to the Doxed Supercast to gain access to the private podcast feed with member-only exclusives. Take control of your online safety and join the Doxed community today. It's, you know, it is, I understand how it's alienating to kind of speak about men in a universal sense because I do, you know, I've dated some, some terrible quality men and I've dated some really gentle souls. I've dated some really, and not even like, I've just dated some untoxic people or people that are real humans that are also men. And that's, uh, it doesn't. It doesn't remove the need to be distrustful of so many men. And it doesn't remove this like very overwhelming, like the trends about the dangerous ways that men have behaved toward me and so many people in, you know, in my experience, but there really are also good people. So anyway, I don't know. I I went in a circle, but I understand how it's alienating and it's difficult to get past the defensive feeling of like okay we're going to talk about white men like (laughs) i feel like for some people it feels like a punch in the gut especially when that is a part of your identity but i hope it doesn't feel like an attack and it feels more like an invitation to like i think there's something beneath all of our identities so it's okay to kind of deconstruct things and let go of them because it doesn't mean there's nothing underneath there's something else even cooler i don't know like there's, it's, it's also just, you have to, you have to be able to accept this conversation about patriarchy and white supremacy. Yeah. I'm not going to trip all over myself 
saying things that can go without saying. Like, obviously, it's not all men. And I'm not going to stumble over my thought process and my lived experiences with a, a good majority of the men I've had lived experiences with. Like, it's a majority of them. I don't know all the men in the world, but I know all the men in my experience. And if I say men, and I mean all men, I mean all men in my lived experience, doesn't apply, let it fly. Like, I can't always have the disclaimer, not all men, to, like, pat the butts of the men that are butthurt that shit doesn't apply to them. <laughs> like, no, I, I think that's fair. And I think that the people that are, like, the healthiest men are not, are exactly in the camp of, like, okay, this doesn't apply to me, so it's not something I have to feel defensive about. Mm-hmm. I just can kind of see, like, I can see the humanity of men, <laughs> and I don't want to be mistaken for, like, a misandrist, but I also don't feel like there's any need to make everybody listen and be at the same level. And some people are just not able to, but I think the important thing is to be able to come to the table with like a willingness to unpack about, about identity and like patriarchy and white supremacy and not just discount them as like, uh, people like victim mentality or something. I just feel like that's, but anyway, I mean, I hear what you're saying. I don't know why I'm kind of stumbling over myself here because it feels like I don't want to talk from outside of my experience. So I don't really want to like talk for men, but I can talk about my experience of men. So I'm trying to kind of toe that line. I guess I just, maybe I'm being insensitive. I don't really care to toe no, that line. I don't it know. just sounds like a control thing. Like to make you feel like you have to have those caveats and you have to have those disclaimers as if they don't know those disclaimers kind of go without saying. Like that's ridiculous. Also Scorpio energy versus Aquarius <laughs> Oh, I mean, yeah. I mean, people's feelings, and I'm like, fuck everybody. It is. It's like I, I just feel like I, it's I can, I want to see everybody's side, but and and leave like a space for a humanity. But I, but I also don't think that's. I don't think there's any problem with saying like yes, all men, because I think it's like a rhetorical thing anyway, where it's just like deal with it. Why can't you just have it? Like, why are you so fragile? You know, exactly. Why but, do I and- have to tiptoe around their fragility? Like they're, I'm not out here worried for my safety around AFAB people. I'm not worried about my safety walking down the street, walking past women. I don't cross the street because a woman is walking my direction. I, we're not out here claiming to be providers and protectors, protectors against who? Men. Like, I, I don't know what else to say. Yeah. I just think there's this huge divide right now and it's very palpable. It's palpable in how dating goes. It's palp. It's like a breakdown of, I I feel like men and women are broadly speaking incompatible more and more. It's uh, it's like, I want to then respond to that by having some kind of bridge and at least allowing for there to be a chance for me to be specifically understood but I think that's also kind of a trauma response like that's definitely something that I do of trying to articulate exactly my position so that you can't you if you misunderstand me that's on you you know and I feel like it's important to leave space for like the humanity of men and I know that I've also tended toward being just like fuck all men and like I certainly cultivate my own space and entertainment feed in a way that doesn't center men but I don't know it's it's like I it's like yeah I don't feel like I need the approval of any anybody and I don't need us to have like a men audience like I don't care but I feel like there's this big divide and there has to be 
not everybody is responsible to communicate the bridge, but there's got to be some kind of way to to figure out that divide because we are all one thing. And there's this very fundamental way where like men just don't even, I don't think they see us as other, as people. They see us just as objects. Mm-hmm. And that's very core and fundamental and a real problem that is in the way of like, my real goal is like everybody moves past all of identity and we're all just one great, amazing thing that is healed. I feel like the space for men's humanity is there and has been there. What are they doing with it? What are they doing with that space? Are are we supposed to continue to do all the emotional labor and emotional heavy lifting and work and research and calling in and calling out? The space is there. It's been there. I guess so. I I don't know. There's like a, um, there's like a catch 22 with it because I don't think it's the responsibility of anybody but men like it bothers me when men say things like they'll try to distract from conversations about women's rights by being like what about men's rights like this conversation about suicidality among men have that conversation Mm -hmm. like there's women's groups that are trying to address women's issues so make a men's group that addresses men's issues instead of being like a hate group or something yeah instead of Um, the what about isms do something about it yeah just do just advocate for yourself that's a good thing to do you know Um, But I don't really see that kind of healing, supportive community, male space, unless it's like a gay space sometimes, sometimes not. But I mean, I guess, I don't know, maybe there's, there's definitely, I want to say there's exceptions, but I know like it's circular. Um, I feel like as a society, those steps aren't being taken as boldly, as consistently, as persistently as they could be to provide like safe spaces for men to foster those like deep emotionally intimate connections amongst themselves and like foster those deep strong platonic relationships with each other I feel like those steps aren't really being taken because at the end of the day they know they can just kind of partner with a woman eventually and their female partner will do that work their female partner will be that person that co-dependent like partner that they'll rely on for all their emotional labor, for their therapy, for sex, for emotional intimacy, for physical intimacy. Like at the end of the day, it's usually the wife or the girlfriend or the the life partner woman that they eventually do that with. I see so many men who like have decent social lives, like pretty robust sexual experiences and they play the field until they become deeply attracted to someone and then whoever it is that they're deeply attracted to is who they end up actually loving. And then that person just becomes who they just kind of like throw their weight on. They just, they lean on that woman for literally everything and have like a second childhood with that woman. I feel like in a way this is, I feel like this is not it's not universal either in the sense that it's like not a it's not as much a queer thing like it's just a very like hetero hetero patriarchal nuclear family kind of problem uh-huh. and it's a problem that I've seen in other generations too but I think it's just kind of foreign to me like I have a lot of different experiences of men including trans men and also just gay men uh, gay men can be toxic too <laughs> everyone can be toxic but like there's definitely a little bit of that like patriarchal uh centering kind of thing that still happens it with gay men especially gay white men 
that's a very like heterosexual kind of a thing I don't know oh yeah I mean that's what we're talking about right I guess so but I then I don't like to talk about men I like to talk about like cis hetero cis men behaving in heterosexual male roles in relationships or something because it just doesn't feel like what we're talking about yeah but yeah but it's not just I mean I don't know we didn't that just feels like it's important to specify like I I don't know I just never even I never felt like I was able to even be in a regular like hetero relationship that was like some sort of I could never even mask like that like I could never even be in anything like that nobody was picking me (laughs) I just think because I was in a fat body when I was younger I and I was also autistic and weird and I never was looked at twice by anybody that was trying to like objectify me so the people I ended up dating were just people that didn't do that as much they didn't really follow those rules because I would never have been able to get with a man that was like that in the first place because I was completely devalued by that system the whole time so like I never had the people that I did get with were just in the first place willing to get with me which meant that there was some sort of like some sort of like interest in hanging out with me I don't know like it was just like a different does that make sense and so like, I, I didn't have like super healthy relationships whatsoever. And in some of them, I was definitely the toxic one even, but like, I don't, I don't know. I just, I feel like that's also kind of not heteropatriarchal in structure. Like the relationships I was in were it's not like that. I mean, I can't say that I have the exact opposite experience because that wouldn't be true. I mostly have dated white men, not necessarily conventionally attractive white men. We've talked about that, (laughs) but white men nonetheless that have proximity to power that I don't have. And when you look at the, the spectrum of proximity to power, desirability, and like where white American born cishet men are positioned in American society and where black women are positioned in society, there's a huge power dynamic there where after like looking back at my past relationships, there were definitely relationships I was in with white men where they felt like they were doing me a favor by throwing me some kind of bone by giving me some kind of chance with them or, or aligning themselves with me, dating me, whatever. They felt like maybe they were doing me some kind of favor because it's not an unknown thing that dark-skinned Black women are considered the least desirable in our society, even though you're probably the most educated group out of all uh, groups of women in America. Uh, we have the the highest number of women-owned businesses among Black women in America. We have a lot of things like going in our favor, but as far as like proximity to the European beauty standard, we're the furthest from it. And I don't think a lot of people are talking about um, power dynamics and like abuse in heterosexual relationships between white men and black women like I get what you're saying like you've dated men that like already kind of had a taste for who you are and what you represent in terms of the body that you were in at the time and I feel like the same is similarly true for me in interracial relationships where because dark-skinned black women are seen as the least desirable if a white man is interested in dating me it's because he already has a taste for black women in order to even consider us even remotely attractive, which can kind of skirt the line of fetishization, which feels icky 
when you're like already in the throes of a relationship. But like, I, I get what you're kind of saying with that. I think my experience is just slightly different. No, yeah. I think we definitely have different experiences and I'm not even sure I'm sort of stumbling through this episode, trying to articulate even my feelings about it. Cause it's complicated. And I don't know, like, I, I think, um, proximity to power is really conditional and like both of our experiences definitely reflect limited proximity to power if that makes sense but in different from different angles well both existing in marginalized bodies and still yeah but with different outcomes or different presentations or whatever I don't know I think I just struggle to because there's a lot of complicated feelings that goes into masculinity and my feelings about it in 2023 and maleness as well you know like I feel very deeply hurt and betrayed by the men of our society the by the masculine and I also know so many people because again I am in queer spaces or have been for a a few years now and uh, I know people that are deeply, and some people that are that don't feel this way that are in queer spaces, but I know people that are deeply traumatized uh, by their experiences with men to the point where they cannot have any men in their any men energy in their space whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And you can't blame them. But I also find, after a few years of noticing and playing with that balance that you can't just be all feminine energy all the time either. There has to be some kind of balance. And also uh, masculine and feminine energy, different thing in my mind from gender, really. Uh, Mm -hmm. And that's hard enough as it is with the language because I think the language is not quite right, but it's like hermetically masculine and feminine energy is just like dual energy, right? But, uh, and it's interesting to like deconstruct what we might assume about that based on our gendered notions of things but we all have a masculine and a feminine energy and I think it's not right to suppress the masculine side as a culture as individuals or as a culture and I think what I'm struggling with is how to not suppress the side when it is such a traumatizing traumatized painful toxic part of what we are doing right now it's not like masculine energy itself again there's healthy masculine energy but there's Mm -hmm. very little representation of it and there is very uh overwhelming violence from the toxic side of it to the point where it's like you're in active trauma about it so you need to press it down and just like you know the reaction wants to be like yes all men stop 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 you are not the center of things you need to listen because it's like dire mm-hmm. to flip flip who is who gets to talk now we do not need robbie harvey speaking for women we need women speaking for women mm-hmm. uh but so we're in that that kind of a space that i think is just still like very and also because the reaction of men speaking broadly has been this kind of like oh we're not getting like you read these articles where they're like I'm not getting enough sex or whatever like men find it so hard to date and I really do think like it's almost like that kind of man and woman heterosexual thing just is breaking down in the same way that like postmodernism has broken down everything else about who we think we are it just doesn't even make any sense anymore it's absurd and 
where does that leave us? Because there is like a want to like, I'm, I don't know. I have like baby brain. Like I I'm thinking to myself, I want to have a family and, and children, but I can't trust a man to be a good partner. How the hell? And that's just like, that's not a me problem. That's a societal wide thing going on. 100%. I'm really looking for the words because it's not like I need the approval of men. I have, and I am so sick of uh, the performativeness. I'm so sick of trusting men only to be totally betrayed because they were performing safety mm-hmm. uh, and you were not safe. You weren't safe and you didn't listen. Mm-hmm. Shame on you. But I, but I know also from kind of going to the other extreme of like, none of that energy is allowed in my space. Like that's not healthy either. And there's something that is still separating us from our unity, which is, which is something we need to, we're called to do. Like, I think we're supposed to all be together somehow, not in a hetero way, but like, you know, like, like men, the humans are supposed to also be a part of that. And how do you do that? when you're so goddamn betrayed like mm-hmm. and, and and when they're basically throwing a tantrum right now in history basically throwing a tantrum in reaction to being called in their shit you know and having it articulated the re- the reaction is violent mm-hmm. and it's childish and i don't really know like i have a lot of i, I have a lot of solution minded ideas i think but one area that I'm really stuck on, and this extends to my personal life and my feelings around dating and just like, it's so hard to put yourself out there and be vulnerable on this individual level, but it's like a whole cultural thing. Like, I don't think men are really compatible with women anymore. And I don't Were know. Were they ever? That. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I think society you had to buy into the ideology. So like an ideology creates reality and there was a whole, there was a whole reality under which that worked, I guess, you know, and it totally doesn't work like that. And that's not bad, but it's just like, we're in this void. And I, and I want to, and I am, I think I'm pretty radical minded, but I also as a human being want the stability of and I love my friends. I have lifelong friends. I have friends that I've had since college, since high school. Uh, one's visiting me in September. I've known since middle school. I'm a, I don't usually have big crowds of friends. I have like individual lifelong friends usually. Mm-hmm. But even that, I want a family, and I love the family that I have. Like I, I'm lucky to have a family that's far from perfect, but works on things, and you know has a, a relatively healthy kind of love for each other and. Uh, support and I'm lucky about all that I I want that I want the stability as a human to have some kind of societal relent maybe it's not even just like dating maybe it's like even with I want some kind of security of like what I would do when I grew up there was no security in any choice that could be made because I'm a millennial there's no plan there's Mm -hmm. no net of safety in society for me uh, there's no, I mean, there's more for me than other people, but there's, but there's no clear path. There's no 
safety and stability. And I crave that. I want safety. I want to be able to be vulnerable. I want to, and, and part of like the institutions will reinforce that safety, you know, under again, the old ideology of get married. Mm -hmm. That's like a legal thing. So it's reinforced. It's like buttressed. And if, you know, uh, it, it can lead to horrible abuse, but there's a level where if you have to divorce your husband, cause he was being terrible, you're going to get like half of things. There's going to be like a legal thing that says you, there was something tangible that that was, that it mattered and it held you together because there were incentives and disincentives. There's something safe about that relatively. Relatively, yeah. For better or for, I mean, sometimes safe things end up being not the right choice. Sometimes you have to take a leap, you know, but Mm -hmm. it, over the course of an entire lifetime, I crave some kind of stability, some kind of safety and steadfast, you know, short, shorty of sureness of love. And I don't have that. I don't think we live in an era of that at all. And it's just kind of, it's just kind of, I don't know. I don't have, I'm not really, I'm not really settled on how I feel about it or like, maybe that's just a reflection of where I'm at with my dating life but I just I feel like that's like a whole cultural thing that is yet that has de that has dissolved dissolved but has yet to re has yet to like coalesce back into something that makes sense to me so like I don't even know how to talk about men I feel like men are alien and I don't I know people that are men that are also just people under that mm -hmm but I don't even know what to do with the state of men culturally right now. Thank you I for feel... letting me talk through that. I know it's like, <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm not doing, I'm stumbling a little bit because this is no, like- No, you're making subject. sense. You're making a lot of sense. I think for me, I've had a lot of really unfortunate, violent, traumatic, devastating betrayals that I've experienced- from men that I deeply loved, deeply trusted. Yeah, I have believed, too. Believed that they were in my life to not provide and protect necessarily, but just to be something steadfast and true that would lead to this vision that I bought into of getting married, getting a house, having kids. And the thing with heterosexual relationships is like, Having children, ending up together, that's not necessarily something that has to be super intentional. Like pregnancy can just happen and then boom, your parents. It's just growing up, I just always assumed as someone who I believed I was a straight person that one day, eventually in my mid 20s, it'll probably happen. Everyone ends up getting married, da da da. And I believed that about myself until like 2021 hit lockdown, burnout, autism, what the fuck, unmasking, yep. coming out and still kind of figuring out that identity. But in that time, I've sort of deconstructed and gotten reacquainted with myself and my sexual identity and my masculine and feminine energies. And I've discovered that it's not necessarily men that I desire. It's not necessarily maleness that I'm attracted to or drawn to it's masculinity and anyone can have that more more or less than any other person it's an energy that we all possess on, on one level or another and like coming into my queerness 
especially recently and entering into a relationship with someone who is, is definitely a more masculine energy, but doesn't necessarily identify as male. It's you're right. It's a whole other world of what masculinity can look like. That's what I'm saying. And how safe and warm and gentle and easy and comforting and like, oh, how safe it can feel to have a healthy, strong doer of a masculine energy by your side. I've never experienced that. Not even with my own fucking father have I experienced that. But I'm experiencing that now. It's someone that doesn't even identify as male. Yeah. And there's, yeah, there's definitely a difference between masculine energy, which, you know, there was even an interesting little, little conversation on TikTok sometimes last year, sometime last year, my friend Hughes, I think was the spearheader of it, but it was about like, should we like think of new names for masculine and feminine energy or like, because there's like kind of culturally appropriative you know culinary equivalents (laughs) and then there's masculine and feminine but I think that is like a hermetic kind of language and it is in all of us and I think that's part of where like this the concept my concept of non-binariness comes from too is just like we're all kind of all of it and it's not um it's not binary so (laughs) Mm -hmm. a lot of people experience like describe his content as women's trauma porn not necessarily women consuming it in like a trauma porn kind of way but like his content kind of falls under the category of shock content and it can be like watching a car crash sort of it's also very performed like you said in the lighting and in the way that the videos are presented they're very uh they're very almost melodramatic very cinematic very Mm -hmm. i don't know what the word is extra very extra <laughs> and also like his tone of voice and his facial expressions and like the way he, he's yeah he he's playing the character and we all are anybody that's got a platform is doing a kind of version of themselves but his whole character is like trying to be kind of paternalistic he talks about like his christianity he just he he talks about stories of traumatic stories of women but he's kind of like talking about them from like above Mm-hmm. like he's some kind of and he really uses weird examples sometimes like I saw this video where he's talking about catcalling, and he has this example where somebody somebody's literally like as a joke they're like going out the window and they're going cat at women and it's just kind of like that's like don't yell at women but it's just kind of like a weird it's a joke and it's a weird example when there's really much worse men and I think his overall point in the video was see these are the real problems of society not me And it's like, just because, and we've seen that before too. And just because Mm -hmm. there is somebody else that you're calling out that is bad, doesn't excuse you from anything bad you could possibly do. That's not how that works. Exploitation of trauma. Yeah. And I don't know. I think it's always dicey anyway to tell other people's stories. And especially when it's a traumatic story, there are ethical ways to do it, but I think you have to be very, very sensitive, be very willing to leave something on the floor if even if you've put work into it if it becomes apparent that it's hurting somebody that's actually involved in their real life Mm -hmm. and I think when you run a platform like that and you're constantly kind of using clips like that there's no way that you're keeping track this is the clip we really want because we earlier we played a stitched one that was kind of cut off for you women why do you lower your standards I'm really curious about this answer 
I'm curious as to why women accept something that's not the best. I'm curious why women believe they don't deserve the best. I'm curious as to why women believe they can't have the best. I genuinely want to know why these men are getting something they don't deserve. You. So open up your heart. That's what I'm asking. Think about why you've lowered your standards for these men. Think about why you've lowered your standards for yourself. Okay. <laughs> Excuse me, sir. <laughs> it's interesting because I think the motivation for that video is is what I find gross about it. Because who who is he talking to? He's talking to specifically these women in his audience who are probably, not pro I don't know, probably... It just seems like he's trying to draw in abuse victims to like further turn into people that, again, I, I think it makes sense that he's like a parasocial stand-in for a husband that abuse victims want, which is creepy as hell. Uh -huh. And and for him to kind of address people like you and look into the camera for that moment, it's like, oh, we have this connection that nobody else has, but it's literally uh -huh. like a parasocial relationship. I think with some really toxic influencers depending on the community and the content and what they've done and like how they're showing up to rectify it or take accountability i am a firm believer in listen to marginalized people listen to women believe women all of that but i'm also someone that stands on the belief like let's say if a white person misspeaks or says something ignorant or racist Listen to marginalized voices, but it's the job of other white people to call you in and like point you in the right direction. Like it's it's the emotional labor of people within your demographic that know better and have done better to kind of guide you. It shouldn't be the labor of me to, to teach you unless I feel like it. And so I feel like maybe that kind of applies to Robbie Harvey, like Yes, he should listen to women since he's building a whole platform on amplifying women's voices and speaking to women's experiences and profiting off of women. Listen to women, but men that are doing better and are doing the work and are deconstructing and are on a better, more educated, more emotionally intelligent path than he is should be the one, be the ones calling him in and trying to like, guide him in a better direction maybe maybe it's not all up to women maybe there are men that can step in and i linked two tiktoks on this document because i wanted you to watch them both and see the differences in the call-ins of these two big male creators on tiktok that kind of like caught wind of the virality of robbie harvey's controversy they're, they're very distinctly different i'm Hoping you sort of pick up on what I picked up on with these two. Yo, hey kids. Whoo-wee, that video. I don't even really know where to start, so I'll just point out a few red flags that I see. My overall consensus is this guy has not deconstructed. He's not done enough of his own work. He realizes that there's bad behavior. He calls out that bad behavior, and he's trying to curb that bad behavior. But what shows me that someone has done real deep inner work has deconstructed their own ideas of their gender to embrace a more authentic version of whatever gender they choose to live by is the language they use when they talk about others. So in this video, he says, you women. In other videos, I heard him say, uh, these women. Which is another way of just saying those people. Which tells me that he
he sees women as a group, uh, as a monolithic group, and not as individuals with their own expression of their own ideas of what their gender should be. That reinforces this idea that follows a lot of men that we don't need to actually get to know and develop intimacy and vulnerability with individual people. We just have to know how to hack this group in order to get laid. And men, if that's your thinking, do you like it? Do you like it when people do that to you? Do you like it when people put you in the category of all men? You probably don't. So then why do we do that? To anybody else because inevitably with that type of thinking you will start to fall into some sort of ism racism sexism homophobia transphobia ableism because you're not seeing the unique expression of the individual and acknowledging their own personhood the second thing i see is asking women for their stories it reminds me of a conversation i had with my mutuals chris and ryan i'll tag them below if you don't know who they are we we're trading a bunch of voice notes and ryan said men need to stop asking women for their work for their trauma again it reinforces the gender roles that men are entitled to and deserve the unpaid labor of women and two it keeps us from having to do the self-reflection i don't have to do the deep work i don't have to really reflect i don't have to deconstruct myself i just get to go oh people did this to you and i shouldn't do that it's a way to bypass doing your own self-reflection just tell me what to do or in this case what not to do and again like ryan said we need to stop asking women to do this work it's our job to sit and self-reflect, to grow that empathy muscle, to understand our own emotion. And then all that helps us to better understand the experiences of others that aren't exactly like us. Because no one is exactly like you. No one is exactly like anyone. Lastly, one of the things I see in this guy's bio with 3 million followers is that he speaks up for women, right? Which also reinforces the idea that women's voices are not strong enough on their own or do not deserve their own space. And this is tricky to be sure. Again, it's another thing that men need to self-reflect on. If you care about the marginalized, are you amplifying their voices? That may include the use of your own voice, but you need to understand the difference between amplifying and speaking for. And I'm sure I've crossed that line a bunch, but as a general rule, I tried to think, am I contributing to what is already being said? Or am I just standing on the work of what others have already said? Again, reinforcing where men benefit from the labor of women again and again and again. It is almost as if some men think that if I do enough good work on this app or out in public, then I can keep my role in the system of patriarchy, that I can still be entitled to the labor of women, that I should still be entitled to their intimacy, because I know how to treat those women right. But fellas, the only person you're entitled to is yourself. So get to know that dude. Grace and peace. Uh, uh, uh. Um, yeah, I like that last line. What am I supposed to be noticing the differences of these? Yes. Oh, my thing is getting overwhelmed. Okay, sorry. A couple of days ago, I posted a video without the necessary awareness of the situation I was referencing and without appropriate consideration of the impact my words would have. And in doing so, I caused some harm. I contributed to the totality of a problematic dynamic of men minimizing other men's harm and minimized the preceding work that a bunch of other people more impacted than me and with a lot more experience with Robbie have already done. That minimization was harmful, especially to the people who've been trying to engage with him, who are overwhelmingly women. I implied that I did not share or understand very real criticisms of someone who has caused harm and has a lot of room for growth. To a large extent, I didn't understand many of those criticisms. I didn't know anything about him before the recent series of videos I was referencing. My failure to consider the impacts and implications of my words in that context, especially paired with my arrogance and tone of tip giving, without both doing more research about who I was talking to and being much more explicit about what I was doing, is on me, and for that I apologize. Addressing just those three videos and his attempts to apologize without the broader context of harm was misleading and perpetrated the same cycle of harm I was criticizing. I should have seen that, and I'm sorry. Thank you for showing me some of the angles on this that I hadn't seen, including some of the ways in which what I said about him in my video was factually incorrect. I don't endorse Robbie, and more and more, largely because a bunch of y'all have been tagging me in some wild videos, I'm seeing how problematic he is. In my experience with apologies, what's not said or acknowledged can be the loudest, and I'm sometimes left wondering. So to be transparent, 
I believe in approaching problematic people with compassion under most circumstances, in offering simple and concrete steps forward on a scale that I believe will be relatable, and in intentionally working to make those steps feel accessible. I commit to being much more considerate about the implications and impacts of my words. I genuinely should have known better than to post that last video, and I'm sorry. It was causing harm, so I took the video down. This platform and the scale of content is a steep learning curve for me, and I can't promise not to make other mistakes, but I can promise to make a much better effort to do appropriate due diligence on thinking about the implications and impacts of my videos. Very different. I <laughs> His original videos that were critical of Robbie Harvey and also critical of the call-out, Mm -hmm. um, those were deleted and that's the only one left on the, the topic of Robbie Harvey. But what I noticed between the two men responding to Robbie Harvey, like the first two men that I saw is that one, like very obviously recognized the actual red flags and outlined them in a way that made a lot of sense to me and reflected to me that this man has done the work to deconstruct patriarchy and look at himself and be self-reflective and all that. And the second guy just kind of jumped on the bandwagon, realized he said the wrong things and made an apology video saying, I said the wrong things. So in the future, I won't say these things again. Sorry. And that's an interesting point. Like one person could already just see the, the filter of here's what the problem is. And one person just didn't even... And it is the filter. That's the issue. Because obviously the guy in the second one is is uh, trying. Like that was a pretty well thought out apology. But you're right that it just betrays a lack of background knowledge about patriarchy and white supremacy. Because that just informs exactly what the problem is. Mm -hmm. What that second video said to me is here is a cishet white man with a large platform that seeing something go viral in his niche. So I'm a man, I'm going to puff up my chest and take up space. And <laughs> I, I'm entitled to all these opinions and things without even doing any research. I'm just going to go on like a three-part diatribe of what I think should be said and what I think is the right thing to do. And then, yes, when he was corrected, like he made it right with that particular video, but it just speaks to what I've been saying this whole episode. Like patriarchy tells men the lie that you are entitled to every space. You're entitled to take up space in every space and in every conversation without doing anything to earn that space, that time, that energy, that listening ear. You can just kind of fake it till you make it. There's just assumptions that men just know everything and just can speak to anything. And that guy put his fucking foot in his mouth. <laughs> Uh, I think that's a good point. I don't necessarily trust the first guy either, though. I don't know him. <laughs> <laughs> he follows the podcast. Oh, really? Oh, just kidding. I love that. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Find additional content at doxtthepodcast.com.